0: Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Brown, and welcome to the Millie Podcast. The more I talk with people, the more I'm hearing the same thing. We're all looking for more meaning and more substance. People want to get away from the scripted reality and get to the heart of each person's story. This podcast is for women who want to rip up the script and explore new ideas, places, and possibilities. Every two weeks, I'll be talking with an inspiring and inspired woman who is creating impact in her community, and more importantly, a woman who can teach us to be ourselves, go after our dreams, and write our own story. I can't wait to share this journey with you. It's time to see the world in a different way.
1: I was born a fighter. As far as I remember, maybe five, six years old, something would happen to me, I would stand up for myself. My goal was to be in the Olympics.
0: Today, I am so honored and excited to be talking with Lina Khalifa, founder of She Fighter, the first self-defense studio for women in the Middle East.
1: If I want something, I would go after it and achieve it. I realized I can create my own system in martial arts. I can start something just for women
0: and I can grow it globally. She-fighter, which is now in more than 35 countries, helps to empower women physically, mentally, and emotionally through self-defense training.
1: It felt really good to be recognized by a president who's a global leader. I mean, President Barack Obama is really well-respected in the Middle East.
0: A multiple medalist, Lena represented Jordan in competitions and championships nationally and internationally.
1: It was a lot of pressure. I won a lot of gold medals, uh, but still they kept rejecting me.
0: In 2019, she was awarded the ESPN Humanitarian Award presenting by UFC and ESPN. And in 2018, she was awarded the Economic Empowerment Award by Secretary Hillary Clinton. She is also the author of the book, She-Fighter, From Troublemaker to Global Changemaker.
1: If you think too much about the future, you wouldn't even take a step. The injury happened because it wasn't my path. I would never have grown following martial arts created by other men in the past, like taekwondo.
0: Lena's story is very inspiring and it goes all the way back to when she was just a little girl standing up to the boys in her neighborhood. I
1: did not understand at that time the difference between being a girl and a boy, but life definitely introduced me to gender inequality and the concept of it.
0: She overcame hurdles, injuries, and doubts from people around her to blaze her own path. She reminds us to feel strong and fight for our right to dream, which is more important now than it's ever been. Welcome, Lena.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having the time. And I've seen that you've been to Jordan, right? Yes. (laughs) The food is good, right? (laughs) Oh
0: my gosh. I love Jordan. Three years ago, I worked on a project for the Syrian refugee crisis called the PIN Project. And it brought me to Jordan and it opened my eyes up to how important travel is broadening our awareness, our global awareness. So I actually, as you know, I have my travel company called Millie, and we Curate trips to Jordan for women.
1: Oh, that's amazing! Since I started going global, maybe four or five years ago, I started getting a lot of visitors to Jordan, mm-hmm. and I I got to know more about Jordan because I take them out. You know, <laughs> I take them to Petra. I take them to the downtown. I We just try the best restaurants. I started to learn more about my country's history, yep. which I neglected for like, you know, you take it for granted. You've been living there for a long time.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, lucky friends to have you as their guide.
1: Oh yeah, but it's exhausting, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> it's totally exhausting.
0: I'd love to spend a little bit of time talking about She-Fighter, from troublemaker to global change maker. When did you feel that, it was time.
1: I started writing that book 2017 because I believe we we need to share our story and experiences to other people. But it was very intense at the beginning, the first six chapters, because it was about my childhood, yeah. and it took me back to some experiences I kinda left back in my mind. But going back to these experiences and putting details in it, I felt emotional. I could, I was shaking. I could not write. And uh, I felt the pain, the pain never left, but we ignore it. We, we forget about it and we don't want to go back to it because that's human nature, you want to survive. But I would just recommend anybody who wants to write their own story, you know, writing with even your hands or typing will take you back to those moments where you, you were hurt and you kind of ignored
0: I'm curious. You talk about being on the streets and fighting boys at, you know, five. Do you think, you know, seeing the injustices that might be happening in Jordan at a young age separated your desire to get to know the country from a personal level?
1: You know, I was born in different personality than my siblings and other girls in Jordan. I was born a fighter. um, I believe it 100 percent because... (laughs) Every time i i as far as I remember, maybe five six years old, um something would happen to me, I would stand up for myself i would I did not understand at that time the difference between being a girl and a boy, but life definitely introduced me to gender inequality and the concept of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents did not told me to dress like a girl or you're, you know, you're dressing in like boys clothes. They never even pointed out to me. And my mom is well-educated. She's like a very open-minded person. My father was busy in work. So I was just with my, I I used to go out in the street with my brother. I just wanted to play with the boys, you know, play soccer. And that's how I felt like I felt, you know, as as a little kid, I just wanted to be outside. They started rejecting me, saying I'm a girl and I'm dressing like a boy. And I remember like a long time ago, you know, it's, it was a really long time ago. And uh, I did not like the idea. I felt like they're insulting me by saying, you know, girls cannot join the, you know, football team or football in the, Mid- you know, they call it football in the Middle East. It's soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started standing up for myself, you know, like I want to join. And I'm even better than most of you. Um, but they kept, you know, fighting me back, throwing rocks at me. So I had to fight back because I did not understand why I'm being kicked out from the team, why Why they treat me differently. It, it did not occur to my brain that I, because I'm a girl, they refuse to have me. And of course, girls would never have this kind of personality of like a fighting personality. I can't even remember a girl who was being in the street other than me. Oh. <laughs> So I always questioned at a very early age, why am I being treated differently? And then when I was enrolled in school, most of my friends were boys. And then my parents decided to enroll me in a Christian um, all-girls school. And it was a big struggle for me because girls were not interested at that time, long time ago, you know, in sports or any kind of anything that the boys would do. So I I struggled a lot to find my, you know, community, my, my tribe, or uh, I found them when I joined Taekwondo. So
0: that's amazing. And what are your siblings like?
1: My two sisters are into, you know, Pilates, uh, fitness, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, they're very, you know, like they, they like to dress up a lot, makeup and, you know, like, (laughs) a very I would say very totally girly girls (laughs) yeah I'm totally like my father where I'm uh, business oriented Mm -hmm. solution oriented um, just uh, have this fire inside of me my mom keeps telling me you you're you are like your father he was very fiery at a very young age and he 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 built his enterprise from scratch as well. He has uh, He owns his own factory in Jordan, exporting uh, educational tools for the Middle East. and uh, he he never even got educated. Um, so she I, I'm similar to him. Mm-hmm. I'm stubborn. I don't see why. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't see that I can't do anything or achieve anything. I definitely see that I, if I put the work in it, I would definitely achieve it. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there.
0: It's clear that your parents definitely contributed to who you've become, and you even started uh, your martial arts in the basement of their house. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you were so determined. Yeah,
1: well, it's uh, it's a funny story that when I was uh, when I finished college, I f- I graduated uh, French literature. And I applied for 20 jobs in Jordan and I got rejected 20 wow. times. <laughs> they said different reasons, you know, like um, I'm, I'm overqualified. I don't know how I'm overqualified, but I think they find different excuses. But it was mostly because I'm not following girls, you know, how girls dress up in Jordan and how they behave. Like I should be quiet. So anyway, I got rejected. Um, but then I decided to join the family business um with my father. I was in his company for four years and he fired me four times. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Even if you're in the family business, they keep treating you like, you know, yeah. you don't understand much, you're still a kid. Yeah. Um, they never take you seriously in meetings, they smoke in meetings. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> And they just don't care a lot about women and their opinion. It's the same. It's the same culture as Jordan, but like it's in an enterprise. Then I realized I cannot, it's like toxic totally. I know it's my father's business, but it's uh, like there's only four women who are hired in this company and mostly like secretary jobs. And the men are doing everything and they are in managerial positions. It's like being a tribe. Men tribe, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. so they never put you um, with their tribe because you're you 're a woman, uh, so I decided to start my own business, and uh, my father at the beginning did not support it he said that 's not even a business you know right. uh, self defense and teaching women that 's not even a business for him. a product is a business, but he did not see my vision uh, i 'm the only one who saw the vision, and i said i 'm just going to do it anyway and uh, I quit his company and I started uh, testing my system slowly. It, it's like it was a very baby steps, by the way, mm-hmm. to reach to where I am right now. Wow.
0: And you talk about how sometimes the people who support you are not your family, and you have to build your support system. So when did you realize that? Since
1: I started uh, my business, nobody believed that my business would uh, would be profitable. But of course, I had my own vision. I said, it's my path. It's my journey. Mm-hmm. It. They don't have to be included in that journey some people have to leave some people have to join it's like uh, exactly like you're driving in this car and some people would ride in this car join you on this drive and sometimes they have to uh, you have to drop them off at a certain point and keep going the the only thing that would make you grow is by keep going forward and learn from from your past and appreciate the past and know that the past happened for a reason and you are growing. You cannot stop at a certain point and say, I had enough from my mind growth or my spiritual growth or whatever. You have to keep growing all the time. There's no certain age to it. Mm-hmm. Life is a learning learning uh, journey and a learning uh, uh, experience. And your experience is going to be totally different than other people's experiences. Other people try to walk my own journey. They cannot. It's not their own path. It's my path. And I have to learn from it. There's challenges. uh, There's people will support me. There's people will believe in me later on. Like my father, for example, he started believing in my business after like four or five years in being in business. Well, (laughs) well, did I
0: read this right? You know, he's tough, tough love. And he kicked you out of the basement.
1: Yeah, he did. (laughs) He did. I used a basement at the beginning because I did not have enough income to start my own studio. You know, you need a budget to start your own studio to teach. So I said, I'm going to use the basement because it's empty. And I started teaching and training, but then there there was a bit of a high demand, you know, people coming to the basement. So he did not like the fact that there were a lot of people coming in uh, to his house. He did not even give me time. He's like, "Tomorrow, you're ending this." Wow. (laughs) I'm like, "Well, I have people, I have members, you know, they're subscribing," and I then, but then again, the pressure would make me find a solution. I went to different gyms in Jordan at that time. I talked to them. I said, "I wanna, I want to rent the space," and I want to bring my own customers. And I did that for like six months with few gyms until the gyms realized that. I am having a lot of customers. Some of them are their customers joining my classes. So they even they kicked me out. Wow. And they did not even give me time. They said, um, you know, next month you're not renewing the rent. We need that space. So you have to find somewhere else. I did mention to my students. I call them my students. And one girl told me, Lena, there is a jujitsu club uh, that left a space. And they're looking for someone else to take over the place. And it's already designed as a martial arts studio. So I said, I I really can't afford it. And she's like, go check it. You have nothing to lose. And I went to check it and I just fell in love with the space. I talked to the owner of the space. I said, what if I pay you uh, the rent every three months? And he's like, yeah, sure. And we signed the contract.
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) And that's how I started. It just... uh, and I believed in that. Even if yeah. you feel like you know you're tight on budget or you can't afford it, go check it because once you you go check any place or space and you fall in love with it, your brain will make you know your your en- your energy your body, everything will make it happen for you. And I started making a lot of money in the first year. and I of course, of course, I paid the rent, I bought a lot of equipment. And I started growing, and uh, that's the first step. How I started grow growing she fighter and my team.
0: Wow! Did you find people were resistant to you in the Middle East when you had this idea of she fighter?
1: Yeah, some people were resisting to the ideas. A lot of other people were supportive to the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I what I did is I kept uh, I surrounded myself with the pe- people who would appreciate, and they would know the importance of this idea, and this work. So most of them, they were my my customers, my employees, uh, students that would join, their parents. I had a lot of conversations with moms, um, with fathers, and these conversations uh, made me, you know, they, it motivated me to keep going, mm-hmm. because they kept saying how much their daughters are, you know, they changed, and how they suffer from bullying in schools, or harassment, or any kind of uh, problems and challenges they face, and they look up for me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I have even one-on-one conversations with the teenagers, and they would tell me a lot of things that they wouldn't tell their parents. (laughs) Um, So it was a safe space for everybody to come and express and be themselves. I did not like the fact that Jordan was such a conservative country where you have to dress in a certain way to get a job. Mm-hmm. Or you cannot have tattoos, for example. Or I don't have tattoos, but I had a lot of employees who had tattoos. <laughs> um, or, for example, like, you cannot have a short hair. You have, like, it's more desirable if you cover your hair. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I just, I, I would hire anybody with passion. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they dye their hair different colors. I, I welcomed... Everybody with passion, if they're committed to the idea of women empowerment and um, and just helping in ending domestic violence and violence against women and they want to put the work in it, they're welcome. Wow. Uh, anybody who is a hater, who, ha- who has negative energy or because we do we did have a lot of haters <laughs> Wow. So they're not welcome. You
0: know, I love that, that, you know, from a young age, you knew that this is the world that you are creating for your your clients and your staff. It's my understanding, and I hope you don't mind talking about this, that you had a life changing injury at 22. Do you think that was fate?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely fate, uh, because I'm a very persistent person. If I want to achieve something, I go after it 100%. I I don't accept failure. Failure for me is just an experience. I'm just tripping on my way. <laughs> but then sometimes life is like this is not your path anymore. Yeah. You know you have to take. You know they have to pay attention to another path, or you have to take another path. And I'm too stubborn to look away from my path, or like look away from the goal, or where do I want to get? And uh, life would just. Punch you in the face if you don't if you don't listen or or listen carefully to what you know you're you're meant to do.
0: You know, I'm just really inspired by your confidence in this. Is it your father maybe who instilled this mentality in you?
1: I believe, like how uh, the poet Khalil Gibran he said, like your children are not your children; they're the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And uh, though they are with you, but yet they belong not to you. So I do believe everybody come to this life for a different mission. And we will get some habits or some genetics from our parents. We will inherit some things, but it doesn't mean that we are them. It's totally different. We are on a different mission and path in this life. We just have to listen. The difference is everybody come to this life with a dream. They forget about it with time as they grow old. And um, if they stayed connected to that voice or that dream inside of them, they will definitely be on, I would say, like a bigger path. A lot of people would just follow, believing they should be like their parents, Uh, Or like, if my father is a doctor, I need to be a doctor too. It doesn't have to be this way. The difference is with people who just never forget that dream that they were born with, um, opportunities will just keep coming as they keep walking. Because some people think that if they hustle or if um, if they push harder, They will probably make it or make more money or it doesn't have to, uh, it's not totally true. Sometimes everything can come to you while you're just sitting and thinking or doing totally nothing. It doesn't mean that you have to do nothing every day. It's just sometimes people would attract a lot of things to their lives by just sitting and being present in the moment and allowing everything to come with positive and with an open heart and uh, not stressing a lot about certain problems or things in life because they believe it's just tomorrow is a different day and it's going to pass. But, of course, they take the step, steps to solve it. I'm, I'm kind of that person. I work when I feel like working <laughs> because when I, when I feel like working, I would, I don't know how, but I would just even attract more opportunities. Uh, I'm, very, I'm very focused. I finish the work even in less time than trying to pressure myself to finish the work in other days where I don't feel like doing it. Mm-hmm. So I just follow sometimes how I feel, and it uh, it it always works for myself. It's always been something good for me and my life and my my business and my my path in life. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think there was a moment after the injury that you? maybe wanted to give up
1: oh yeah I always uh, have this moment of giving up many times uh, when I got injured I I thought uh, before I got injured I thought I uh, my goal was to be in the Olympics yeah. and to represent my country and uh, to win the gold medal and that's that's what I, th- I thought that's the end of it <laughs> winning the gold medal in the Olympics would give me a lot of opportunities later on But then a lot of challenges happened within the national team uh, where they wanted to have certain people to represent the country. My background is Palestinian. I was uh, born in Jordan, but my grandfather, he was a refugee from uh, Palestine to Jordan. So there wasn't a lot of support coming to families that originally you know, come from Palestine. But I did not care because I'm a a very persistent person. I don't care about, you know, being a girl or being originally from somewhere. If I want something, I would go after it and achieve it. That's how I believe Um, I can achieve what I want to achieve. But um, I was fighting a lot with the national team. They kicked me out many times. They would just ask me to stop the training and leave. It was a lot of pressure. Um, I won a lot of gold medals, uh, but still they kept rejecting me and i thought i I started thinking about later on that thought i I started thinking about later on that the injury happened to stop me from trying to go back to the national team to try to represent my country because it wasn't my path, it wasn't my environment. I would never have grown working with them and following other martial arts that was created by other men in the past, like taekwondo. Uh, Later on, I realized I can create my own system in martial arts, and I can grow it globally. The same way taekwondo and karate and other martial arts started, I can start something just for women. And that's how I I also got the idea and inspired about um, how to start the Shi Fighter system.
0: Wow. You've said... If you want to create social change, you have to be a fighter by nature. Nobody is going to applaud you because you are disrupting the status quo and changing culture norms. Is it tough disrupting the traditional environment and male-dominated culture? I can imagine this would be challenging and maybe even met with backlash, threats, what kind of reaction did you get? Yeah,
1: when I started all of this, I did not even think about what's going to happen later on. You just have to start. If you think too much about the future, you wouldn't even take a step. When I took that step in starting to train women's self-defense, it started only as just training women's self-defense. That's how I started. Then I realized they come for me for consultancy about <laughs> about you know uh, being threatened by... Like, mostly domestic violence. Honestly, in Jordan, it's a, in Jordan, it's huge with uh, honor crimes and domestic violence. I even had this one student. She's 18. One time she called me and she's like, Lena, my father is standing next to me with a gun in my head. And he... And, of course, she was crying, terrified, shaking. I'm like, what? And she's like, he has a gun now on my head. I'm like, what? I'm like what like can i talk to him and she gave me she was of course crying and she was uh, and i i talked to him i was like uh, hello sir uh what's going on why do you point a gun on her head and he's like well i don't believe she comes to your studio i believe she goes out to see some men i'm like what she comes every day to my studio and he's like uh i don't believe her so i told her to call you um, and she was shaking the poor girl. She had a gun on her head and this is not even like a poor, um, you know, society in Jordan. It's like Amman. It's, uh, it's the, they are middle-class people where her father is a doctor, but he had this gun in her, on her head and she was, and I, of course I calmed him down I said I can prove it I have cameras come to my studio we can have coffee can you just remove the gun from her head can I can I it's like what's your number can I just call you privately I can come yeah I can you know I can come to your house now you can come to my office now just you know remove the gun off her head you don't want to do this and he did I calmed him down and later on he came and visited uh, me in the studio but I had to deal with that. I did not realize that I'm going to be doing some kind of work like the police, Right, <laughs> police's work. Yeah. But it, it just made me realize, um, how to also deal with these kind of situations. So I just learned a lot about the culture, about, uh, how even to deal with parents, angry parents, Yeah, <laughs> you know, you have to be extremely calm when dealing with, uh, people.
0: I watched an interview that you did. You had talked about the Syrian refugee crisis. You had talked about the abuse against women in the Middle East. And you talked about being smart and you need to have a plan. So I'd really love to know what tools you can provide and share with me about how we can effectively create long-term change.
1: Yeah, I did... um... Think about it for so many years, because if you notice, a lot of people who come up with different solutions, sometimes the solution dies in the middle mm-hmm. of the way, or they do they give up on the solution because the problem is too big. Yeah. What I th- thought about is I cannot keep doing this by myself. I have to train and certify other trainers who are females to grow the whole she fighter movement of empowering others, communities, and societies. So first thing, I came up with uh, six manuals. I copyrighted everything, I accredited them, and I was ready to go to teach and certify other trainers everywhere. And then I just introduced my concept of, um, of continuing to grow the movement, just not, not just by me, by other women who wants to make a change as well. And I started uh, traveling around the globe, certifying other women, And these women would start training in their communities. So, so far I have certified 600 women globally. And uh, Jordan, they are totally now doing the job without me even being there. And they start uh, training uh, other students and girls and they start speaking in public and they started spreading awareness in different schools and universities. Exactly how I started. So I said, I, I want the youth and the young women to mostly in their 20s or like early 30s to follow what I did and keep growing with this movement. And they they did. It worked. I mean, and I realize it's a, a a long lasting. It's like it's growing. So it means it's it's a, a sustainable solution because so we have. Um, We have women who are interested, who are in Australia. We have women in Mauritius. We have women in South Korea. You know, it's all over the globe. And they cannot be everywhere at the same time. Yes. Yeah, I have to empower my team.
0: Of course. In fact, you are building your presence in the United States. And in 2015, President Barack Obama even acknowledged and publicly gave his support to you. I can't imagine how this would have felt. How did it feel?
1: It felt really good to be recognized of course by a president who's a global leader and who who people would respect in the middle east i mean president barack obama uh, is really well respected in the middle east men when they knew they just stopped me in the street and they have a lot of respect for me suddenly um and i realized this is that was that was a, a support coming from from Got to me, like yeah. Lena, you're doing the right work. Don't worry about the naysayers in your country or the Middle East or people who try to put you down. You got a recognition from the President of the United States, and nobody ever got that in Jordan or even in the Middle East. So it just uh, and some people would have a lot of questions, like why you <laughs> you know because i'm a I'm a girl, you say yeah. that. some people would have that idea, yeah. like why yeah. a woman? I'm like, why not a woman? <laughs> so I did have this conversation with a lot of people. Sometimes I would ignore their conversation because you cannot argue with idiots mm-hmm. sometimes. Yes. So you just don't have to argue back and you keep going what you're doing.
0: Wow. It's an emotional feeling and it's a lot of hard work. You've had a lot of doors slam in your face. You've heard no, um, you know, mini fighter when you were five years old, fighting the boys, standing up for what you believe in. This was your moment.
1: Yes. Yes. And after that, it followed by many other moments. It just opened the door for me and more opportunities came to my life because of this moment.
0: Yeah. I've seen you've worked with, you know, global celebrities, Emma Watson being one of them. Hillary Clinton yes. is a big fan. Oh,
1: yeah, you're a big fan of Hillary Clinton.
0: Yes. What advice would you give female entrepreneurs challenging the status quo?
1: Um, I would give an advice of do not care a lot about gender. I know gender is women are having less opportunities. They don't have rights in some countries, but you should not worry and spend a lot of energy on just being a woman and a woman and not having the same opportunity as men. I would say just focus on your path of learning, going through the challenges, trying to have more people to support you Um. It doesn't matter if they're men or women, just have more people to support your idea and believe as you grow because you need that kind of support. You cannot do it by yourself. And don't worry about others. Like, don't look like exactly how how you're driving a car. If you drive a car looking on the right and left, you're going to crash. If you look only on on your road where you're heading, you can, like, take a look really fast to the, you know, past. Or to the right or left. But you cannot keep looking all the time. You need to focus only on your journey. On your life. And your path. And your path might change. Like a lot of people I'm sure they planned. A lot of things for 2020. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure now the plan changed. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean even me I had some plans. And everything was cancelled. Um, so but I have a different plan now. It's like I'm totally on a kind of new path of. Online and digital and even exploring different things that I always wanted to do, but I had no time to do. Mm-hmm. and it's like God telling me, "You know what, Lena, what do you have now that you can use time, time, and just it's time, and I think having a time is a bless. so do things that you always wanted to do now it's the time to do it.
0: What would you say to someone? Who wants to ignite on their passion project, but, you know, for whatever reason is holding back our self-doubt, finances, confidence? I think we always have doubts
1: and we're always afraid. I don't think there's one person who's supernatural that would say, you know, I have zero fear of taking that step. Everybody is afraid. Is the the difference is you you know like uh, the difference some people would would say I'm afraid but I'm going to take it anyway mm-hmm. and I'm not going to think about the consequences now I'm just going to take it especially if you are looking for investment or you want to you, you want to invest a lot of money in something and you're afraid to lose it just don't don't worry about what's going to happen later just if you it feels right take that step And then after that, don't regret taking that step. Like, for example, last year, 2019, March, I felt I need to hand the work to my team in Jordan because I cannot grow anymore as what I want to grow. I cannot keep growing if I stick to one studio. I need my teams to start the people I trained and I shared my knowledge with them to do the work that I'm doing. In order to do that, I have to shut down my uh, my studio in Amman in Jordan and then handed it to someone else. And it was a huge decision. Like, can you imagine how, how I felt at that time? It's like doubts, anxiety, what if. There's a lot of what if. And there's a lot of, you know, I'm going to regret that <laughs> <laughs> later on. But I, it just, there was a feeling inside of me that said, that felt like this. It's like, take that step, make that decision, and don't think about what's next, or don't think about that step you took. I handed it to my team, uh, one of, of course, the the best girls that is uh, doing a lot of, work. she's even doing a lot of better work than me in Jordan. <laughs> And it was a really hard decision, even for my team, like they you cannot do this we are we cannot do what you do. I'm like you can do what I do.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: it's just you rely a lot on me, and it's time for you to grow and if I stay around, it's like being a parent. if you stay around, they're gonna rely on you all the time. The best way is to put them in the challenge, so I had to take that step, and i I was in All 2019, I kept thinking about it. Like, did I make the right decision? I hope I made the right decision. And I met like few people, random people, totally they don't know me. And they kept telling me, be patient, wait, don't take any step. And then I was confused. Like, okay, what's next if, you know, I, what to do next? And then COVID-19 happened. Imagine now if Covid nineteen happened. She fighters still uh, a huge studio in Jordan operating. It would definitely, I would file for bankruptcy maybe, because it, the gyms are all shut down. Yeah, and a lot of businesses are going. A lot of you know uh, businesses are just cannot afford rent anymore. It's not a rich country where the government can support support you. It's a very poor country. So it was a good decision to give it to someone else to take over. Mm-hmm. You know what I realized as I started traveling and meeting different people, especially, honestly, <laughs> meeting people all the way on top. They never live an authentic life, at least not all of them. They want to show that they live in heaven. Everything looks perfect in their lives. They wear different masks and they're afraid to be authentic because they believe being authentic is being completely visible to the world, who they really are. And uh, they have to pick up their words. They have to just be extremely, they have to think a lot about every move they make or what do they want to show to the world. And, you know, I, I find it a really hard job to do, being someone else. Yeah, We're all humans and we can tell who's a genuine person and who's a person who pretend they have a good and perfect life. Nobody has a perfect life get over it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's okay to show sometimes that you're vulnerable you have problems it's okay to lean on other people it's okay to fall and it's okay to rise again and uh, just be yourself it's really a tough job to be someone else
0: you talk a lot about love and how we have to approach things with love how do you think that is part of your founding philosophy, as it pertains to She Fighter?
1: Yeah, so the highest uh, frequency in the universe is love. It's one of the highest energies and feeling that I would cannot even describe as a human. It's called love, and one time I did feel it. I even felt it at like four a.m. in the morning. I don't know why. I was half awake, half asleep, and I felt. All the cells in my body, shining, and I never felt cells in my body before, and it was a, a divine experience, a heavenly experience, where I did not want to, did not want to, you know, wake up from it. And uh, something kept whispering in my ear: "It's like you have to love every cell in your body, every cell in your face." everything in yourself in order to rise and shine and i woke up and suddenly everything vanished the feeling i felt like is this love this kind of awakening i I wish i can tell other people like uh, let other people feel it because that's love it's not the love we think we know it's another kind of love and once in you're in this moment you kind of open the doors to all opportunities in your life. A lot of people would walk in that would lift you up or like make your path even easier. You just have to get to that level. But that level is really hard to achieve. (laughs) Um, And I I always, uh, every time I had a challenge, I would say, uh, Lena, remember how you felt when, Every, like, being alive is a bless. Just being alive, breathing, waking up in the morning. Having cells in my body is a bless. Uh, having a healthy cells. Um, I know sometimes a lot of people would hate a lot of parts in their bodies, but they have a healthy parts. A lot of other people have sick parts. <laughs> so they need to be completely thankful to who they are and to breathing and being alive every single day. And once they achieve that, other things would follow. Other good things would
0: follow. How can we achieve this?
1: <laughs> I would give just one really fast advice: uh, don't do life by yourself. You can, you can go on the floor sometimes and ask God or the Force or the energy to direct you and help you. And do that every single day, and you will be guided. It's just some people do it for a certain time and there is no results, and they're like, oh, you know, this is not working. No, you have it's. Uh, it's a lifestyle. It's every day in your life. How, the same way how you drink water, you exercise, you wake up from bed. You have to ask for guidance because human beings have limited brain and have limited even sight. They cannot see everything. They're blind. I feel like human beings are blind. If they close up their eyes and follow the heart, they will be guided in a better direction.
0: Wow. I guess to finish up our chat, what is the most rewarding thing about what you do?
1: First, changing me, changing myself. I changed a lot during what I the the women I met, the girls that I met, the stories that I've heard, the time I spent with people. Um, I changed a lot. I became a better person, and um, I look forward to be even better than this. <laughs> and um, the change that I make in other women's lives and girls' lives. Even sometimes you think that you're not doing anything, as I said, like now during COVID, and I received, like one one time I received a tweet from this woman, and she she said, I heard you speaking one time, and I was going through an abused relationship, and finally I got a divorce, so thank you. And I would just say, oh, you know, I did not do anything. (laughs) So uh, just inspire them, opening their hearts in into not being, you know, just being authentic, being who they really are. They need to remember who they really are when they were born. I know it's a hard task, but sometimes you need to go there and remember how it felt. Remember your dreams. Remember how happy you were having nothing. I know that the word happy is hard to achieve right now, but If you start believing you're happy every single day for having nothing or being nothing or just being in this life, you will achieve happiness. Wow.
0: I'm really grateful for you and for everything that you've shared. I applaud your vulnerability and your confidence to create big things that is changing the world. I just feel very lucky. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, no, thank you. Thank you really for having me because sometimes I need to hear myself out loud.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this motivating and meaningful conversation with Lena. She is a remarkable woman and you can find out more about her and SheFighter at SheFighter.com. And please join me back here in two weeks as I share an episode with my mom. Don't worry, this isn't going to be an episode full of embarrassing childhood stories. My mother, Debbie Brown, is the CEO and founder of Clarity Management Group. She's a banking executive with more than 25 years of leadership experience, and she's the author of New York Times noted book, It's All in the Delivery, How to Move Mountains Without Crushing the Villagers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe, share with your friends, and visit us at Millie.ca.